This is Make Yourself at Home, a podcast from BizNow, where we discuss the pandemic's impact on the business of real estate. I'm Miriam Hall. I'm BizNow's New York reporter. Today on the program, Rudin CEO Bill Rudin, whose company owns 35 office and residential buildings in the city. A lifelong New Yorker, Bill's talking in a moment about what needs to happen in the city to get it back on its feet. But first, I asked him why he feels so sure that people are going to return to the office environment. There's a yearning, and we've gotten this from our own employees, my children who are in their mid-30s, their friends, our tenants that we've talked to. It's our human nature to want to interact with each other and connect with each other. And and there are bonds that are created within the office environment. And I I hope I'm right. And I think I will be proven to be correct. uh, The people will come back to work. I think we all accept that being like this is pretty rotten. Being in our one bedroom apartment and and sheltering in fear and being, you know, not being able to see anybody is pretty dreadful. But just imagine this scenario. The vaccine rolls out people uh, sat, feel safe again and, and life returns to a semblance of normality, probably companies are going to look and think we can do this better. We can interact better and we can shrink our footprint. So, okay, probably not everyone's, we're just going to live at home for the rest of our lives, but there is going to be changes of some persuasion and that's going to mean potentially less space. Doesn't that scare you a bit as someone whose bread and butter is space? Uh, I try honestly, not to really think about it, because I think that if there is some reduction in people coming to work, there's still going to be an increase in the model that's been around for, you know, 10 or 15 years of packing more people into space is going to go away. People are going to want, even with the vaccine and people still wearing masks, they're still going to want some distance, the old way that people used to work in either in cubicles that are separated or private offices. And I, I, so I think hopefully that balances to some degree. And then when people realize, and these things always go in cycles, that productivity and efficiency and uh, branding within the organization, you know, all the, all the buzzwords that we know about in terms of working will kick in and head of HR, the head of real estate, the CEO, CFO will realize that yes, we want people back in the office and hopefully those things will balance themselves out and maybe be a positive for for space. We've got several projects that we're just, have initiated in the last few months, a redevelopment of downtown of 80 Pine Street. We've just opened the significant part of the lobby. You have to have the right product. You have to make the right investment. And that's what we've done at 80 Pine. And we're about to start at three times square. And we have activity on both of these buildings, even a, in a, obviously a very challenging economy and environment. If you do the right things, put the right infrastructure, the right amenities, do a nice upgrade of your, of your lobby, I think people will respond. So we have, we have very good activity on, on both of those buildings. And we're starting to see good activity in at the Brooklyn Navy Yard at Dock 72, so I think this is a harbinger of things to, to come. Six months ago, you couldn't even go and show space. We're seeing, and I think listening, you know, to other talking to other owners, they're starting to see, you know, people out there kicking tires, and that's a precursor for people to to commit space. Some tenants are downsizing a little bit. Some people staying where they are. Some people are a little growing. It depends on on who the company is. 
a cynical person listening to this would say, well, you would say that, wouldn't you? Because you're a landlord, you own office space. Uh, I, I, always tell, I always tell the truth. I, I, everything I've told you is accurate. And, uh, you know, we had a rough, I would say a rough year. And, uh, but I've been around the block a few times. You know, I just turned 65 last year and I've been through, you know, a few of these cycles. And when you're in the, in the middle of the storm, you don't think you're ever going to come out of it. But if you have patience and you have the right capitalization, you have the right product and you believe in your business model and you believe in the, the city, we'll come through this. I get the cynicism. A lot of, you know, a lot of articles, everybody's moving to Florida, but there's also articles about not as many people you think are moving and there are people coming back into the city, not to dismiss anything. We got a lot of work to do. There's a lot, a lot of work. And, but that's what, I think that's what New Yorkers have always been about. You know, we get knocked down, we dust ourselves off, we pick up and move forward and work together to try to figure out these, these issues. And I think who was not inspired by the inauguration and that was so inspiring. We're starting to see things shift. I think we've all collectively decided that something's got to change, right? These world cities, London, New York, Paris, they're all in really desperate situations right now as a result of what's happened. In New York, it was just so sudden what happened. It just almost overnight, people just started leaving. There were problems before. So what do you think needs to change? I mean, what do you think needs to happen now to make this city as attractive and as functional as it has always been? Well, you're hearing the sirens behind you. So I obviously, Avenue. <laughs> obviously the vaccine, getting that rolled out, getting more supply out, that, that's critical. But I think we have to get back to the basics of, of how you run a city and operate a city and make sure it's safe and it's clean and take care of the people who need to be taken care of and so what needs to happen? Because none of those things are really happening right now. It's not very safe and it's not very Well, it, it's, uh, you know, it, it, right before and during the, in the end of the summer and right before Labor Day, when we thought there would be more people coming back, uh, the real estate board organized with the, uh, many of the business improvement districts in New York City uh, and sent a letter to City Hall, which in their credit, they responded to within 24 hours, talking about safety talking about homelessness, cleanliness, and they did respond. And if you would, you know, and we got a lot of feedback before this with brokers and our tenants, you know, there was a fear factor. But if you had looked around Grand Central or downtown with, and the West Side and uh, the, those bids, there was a, a marked improvement uh, in terms of crime and cleanliness and response time from the PD and sanitation and homeless services, but there needs to be more. Obviously, it has to, has to be, you know, and we got very good response from the people who came into the city. They were actually surprised about seeing on the media and uh, what was going on. But we need people back on the streets because, you know, Jane Jacobs, the famous urbanist, talked about people sitting on their stoops and, you know, the social interaction that goes on when you're walking around and it, it's a, it, it in and of itself prevents crime because there are more people out there, less people around, bad things happen. So we got to get, we got to get the confidence back. We got to get people back in, out onto the streets. And now with the restaurants, there's always a silver lining on things. The fact now that in the future, we're going to have much more outdoor dining like other great cities and London and Paris, 
year round is I think one of the positive legacies of what we've gone through. And I think it'll even get better. And so we've got to get our city back to where it was uh, a few years ago in terms of people feeling safe and having actual crime reductions. There are definitely issues that need to be addressed. But I think the biggest thing is to get people back in the city, get our economy revving back up and showing some hope and optimism that we can create jobs and, and get people you know, back into their offices and back to work. What do you think happened after Labor Day? Because I remember that was the big talk. Everyone was saying you've got to come back. There's a lot of, you know, support our city. Bring and the companies have just have not come back. I mean, Well, it was very, very simple. Day? People just saw what was happening in other parts of the country. And look at Texas now. Texas has a very high infection rate and it's impacting their economy. And, you know, the same with Florida. I think they've controlled a little better. But everybody thinks the grass is always greener on the other side. And we were we were out in the wilderness for several months and everybody, oh, it's not coming here. Uh, I think the answer to your question is in the late summer, early fall, you know, the, the infection rate was, was skyrocketing in the rest of the country. And the, the people who were making the decisions said, whoa, 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 we're not bringing people back so fast. People saw what was happening in the rest of the country and nobody wanted to have a second wave back here and put their people in jeopardy. And it's totally understandable, but we have to, balance all those things. Um, I mean, I think it's been pretty well proven that the subway is relatively safe. Um, you know, obviously other forms of transportation have increased the city bike and people walking. Um, and so we, again, we got to get that vaccine out and we got to people, we got to get, you know, shots in the arm and butts in the seats and get people back in there their chairs and their offices. And it's going to take a little time and people are going to have to get back that confidence. You're involved in testing or you plan to be involved in testing with the, with the state government. What about vaccine? Like what role could real estate play in vaccine, do you think? That's a very tricky question. I think the vaccines are, you know, just like testing, they're definitely protocols, but we've been able to, you know, we've been testing our employees we're surveying our commercial tenants now as per the governor's state of the state and seeing you know, when they come back, uh, if they want to have their employees tested, which I think is very important in terms of getting confidence back. And we're also exploring some of our vacant retail space to create testing sites. Uh, yesterday, I walked by 72nd and Lexington Avenue, and there's a brand new, there used to be a woman's uh, clothing store there. There's a brand new, beautifully design clean, has rapid testing and PCR testing. If you get there before noon, you get the test back later in that day. And so things like that are going to be very, very important to regain confidence. In terms of the vaccine, I think that's, uh, you know, again, this is, you have to have trained people giving the vaccine. You have to have the right infrastructure. We will do whatever it takes if the city and state and federal government want us to find locations uh, in Brooklyn, you know, there's a lot of uh, space, you know, in our office buildings, we have some retail spaces, but it's the, it's really the production of, of the vaccine and getting that out is, is the issue. I mean, the city, I think, has ramped up in the last few weeks, many sites, city, city field, Javits, the state's running, and, uh, and other sites. So I, I don't think it's because of a lack of, of sites, it's a lack of the vaccine. But whatever we need to do to get people 
back into the city, we'll, we'll, we'll help, we'll figure out a way to help out. You'd offer space. You would offer, you would help with logistics. If you could, you would offer help with last mile. Cause it's the last mile. That's the issue. You know, vac- yes. you keep saying vaccines don't save lives. Vaccinations do. Yeah. There's obviously plenty of retail space in the city. And, you know, if, if we're asked, just like we were asked by the governor to try, try to find testing sites, we'll help in finding retail space uh, and other, other spaces that, you know, in other parts of the borough, parking facilities, and it just depends on what the exact requirements are. A couple of quick round questions for you. Doc72, what's going on there? Lease to WeWork, basically, is it? I mean, are they paying rent? Yes, they're, they're paying rent. And uh, we announced, I think, in the fall that uh, that was going to be one of their uh, flagship headquarters sites. They're going to, you know, when people start coming back in terms of their, their employees, that they will locate, you know, a significant amount of their, of their personnel. They've been using uh, our amazing conference center uh, on the top uh, of the building. Uh, they've had workshops and, you know, socially distant um, uh, retreats, so to speak, and meetings with uh, their board and, you know, uh, other internal groups. And they love it. And, you know, we can't wait to, uh, for them to start, you know, bringing people into the building. Um, and as I said at the top, we, we're having, uh, starting to see uh, some activity with uh, prospective uh, tenants uh, in the market. Um, it's a little slower than in, in Manhattan, but it's one of the great products uh, that we've ever created. And if you ask our partner, uh, the CEO of Boston Properties, Owen Thomas, he thinks this is one of the great the Boston Properties best buildings that they've ever built. We're confident that this this building will will attract some tenants. What about on the residential side? What kind of lease lease arrangements are you making? What kind of rent reductions are you offering? Because I have a theory, and I want to test it out with you. I have a theory that if the are you renegotiating your lease now? Is that where you're looking for advice on your? No, I, I'm fine with my negotiation. I'm all good. My theory is is that if if people weren't living so close to the line in the city, so so strained on their rent. And when things went so bad in March, things wouldn't have gone downhill for the city so quickly. People wouldn't have had to have let, all the people that lost their jobs had to just go. They had no choice. They couldn't pay their rent. And I have a theory that if people weren't living in such a rent burdened way for so long, the city would have chugged along a little more smoothly economically. What do you think about that? You know, look, we we definitely have an affordable. I'm not saying it's down to you to fix everything. No, I I I understand the question. It's a good question. I I just think you know you know so many other issues. School school as a major driver. A lot of young people living together, losing their job or not losing their job, but didn't want to live in with in a two bedroom apartment with three people and things like that. But yes, we have a serious housing issue, and I think that's you know the governor mentioned the other day in terms of potential conversion of obsolete or older built office buildings to residential has been a slam dunk in lower Manhattan, going from 10,000 people living in lower Manhattan in the mid 90s to over 70,000 people, and it takes a little time. But it's been a major, major positive impact. So I think we have to deal with cost, cost of construction, and driving costs down to produce more housing. But there was a really good article in the journal, I think it was yesterday, about retail and how we're we're in this boat too. And I know many Jeff Gorell and many other owners. We don't want to lose our tenants, uh, and particularly the retail tenants. We want them 
to be able to, you know, to get through this issue and be on the other end when people start coming back to work. So we've negotiated and done a lot of things uh, to help our retail tenants. And that article talked about it and had some really great examples of owners, some of them small owners, working with their, their tenants to help them out. And it's, you know, it's a burden for all of us, but we want to we wanna make sure that we have a viable city and people are staying here. Come back. In, in, our, in our residential portfolio, uh, a lot of people have come back because you know, their kids are back in school. Uh, we're seeing activity increase on our rental uh, activity. And we're, we're working with our existing tenants when their leases are coming due to make sure that they're comfortable and staying in the city and staying in our, obviously we want them to stay in our buildings. But surely the markets reset some of the, some of the rents. You must be offering some pretty good deals. I'm not going to give away our trade secrets, <laughs> but we, you know, we try to, we try to mark to market and be competitive and understand that, you know, people have a choice and, try to do uh, that extra level of service and, you know, customer attention that my grandfather started and my father and uncle handed down to my generation. My dad always said, when the music stops, he wants to be sitting down. And, you know, that's been our philosophy. And, you know, we, we make deals and, you know, we move on. And sometimes we're at the bottom of the market. Sometimes we're in the middle of the market. And sometimes we hit, you know, we hit the market at the top and we make deals and, but we're long-term owners and that's, that, that's what ha- happens when you, when you have a low basis and you're not over levered, you can ride through these storms and, and get through it. And hopefully the market starts picking up and, you know, we can start getting back to numbers we had a few years ago. This is one hell of a storm though, and it feels quite long. <laughs> I'm not sure how long you've been in this business or, well, you know, I, I, but I, if you, when you, yeah, as I said before, when, you know, when you're in the middle of the storm, you know, it's like when you're not feeling well, you're sick, you know, you, you, you don't think you're ever going to come through it. And, uh, um, but we do get through it and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get to the, we'll get to the other side somewhere along the line. You've got so much optimism for this city. It's, uh, <laughs> Guess it's just the way well, it's based it's based on experience and uh but yeah it, look the, we but it's also based on the reality that we have to work together and and you know roll up our sleeves and you know my dad started uh the association for better new york with the you know howard rubenstein who just passed away last month and or earlier this month and Mayor Dinkins and many, uh, Bob Tisch and just many great leaders back in the 70s who woke up one day and said, we can't let this ship go down. This is where we live. This is where we work. We're putting our flag down and we have to fight for what's ours, you know, and what we've, you know, where we live. And, you know, Ken Langone, uh, who was a great friend of my father's, was on CNBC the other day. He has the house in Florida. He said, I can move to Florida. I can change my residence but I love New York. I care about New York. This is where I made my money and I'm not giving up on New York. I'm going to pay my taxes and I'm going to fight for this great city. He, you know, he's the chairman of the NYU Langone Medical Center, which he turned around with Dr. Grossman, you know, 20 years ago, it was in big trouble, but he, he made a commitment. He put his own personal money in, into that great institution and turned it around. It's one of the great medical institutions of, in, our, in the country, in the world. And that's what makes New York City great. It's people like him who 
don't go with the trend, go against the trend. And that's the way we've been taught to, you know, to look at our, our real estate and our investment and our commitment to the, the city. Yeah. Are there times where you just shake your head and like wonder what the hell's going on? But then you wake up the next morning. My wife always tells me, I wake up every morning, even if it's been a terrible day, with a, uh, a smile on my face and look forward. And that's all you can do. It's going to be such an interesting year. I want to check in with you um, as things move on. I'm interested in the mayor's race. I'm very interested to see how this whole administration change affects the city and, and you know, how things return. So let's, let's keep chatting. I really appreciate you um, coming on my podcast. Sorry about all the sirens. Good luck and thank you. Thanks, Bill.